on the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, we are never alone. Great to see you. Welcome to Union Chapel and to Advent season. We're so glad you're here. And if you've been here for a while, you know that this is a little change of uh, logistics here in the room. And so I wanted to say a special word of thanks to everyone who made it possible when members of the staff uh, some time ago said we need to move that thing out of the corner and put it out here in the center. It'll just make it better for worship. I said, that's, that's great. Let's do it, except it has to be done from one Sunday to the next so that it doesn't delay us in any way. And they said, okay, we'll do it in December. Really? And so uh, I'm sure you don't appreciate, just like I don't appreciate how much work it took to do this, but literally to have it done in seven days is a remarkable accomplishment. So kudos to everybody that helped. They were literally working around the clock all week uh, to get to this point, and it turned out just spectacular, and so I'm really proud and pleased with the, with the results, and thanks so much. I had nothing to do with it, and so um, I'm just really pleased. Um, just a reminder that next weekend, we'll take up our special Christmas offering. We take up one special offering each year. That's next weekend and also on Christmas Eve. The three areas that we'll be supporting, Blood and Fire's Christmas store, so 300-plus families will have Christmas this year. That's already been happening. The second thing is Light Their Path, children's Bible program. One of our small groups started this ministry to distribute children's Bibles to families here and there. And to date, they've distributed 6,100 children's Bibles around the country and in the community. Pretty good. The other... The other designation for the offering will be Brianna's Hope, which is an addiction recovery ministry that was founded here locally. Good friends, in some cases family members, have been part of the foundation of this ministry. It's a very powerful ministry, getting kudos around the state. And so we're going to bless Brianna's Hope and addiction recovery. And so that offering will take place next, next weekend. So be prepared for that. Thanks so much. We continue the series that we began a few weeks ago during this Advent season on the subject of God with us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, Listen, watch this. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. God is with us. Everyone say that with God is with us. Now hang on to that because we've talked about God is with us in the valley, he's with us in the wilderness, and today I want to talk about God with us in the storm. And there's an actual storm in the Bible, and it's found in Acts chapter 27, and we're going to use that as our text this morning. You can turn in your Bibles to that reference. If not, we'll project the words on the screen for you. Our custom is to stand to hear God's word. So Acts chapter 27, I'm going to read for us verses 20 to 26. 
Now, this uh, the central figure here is the Apostle Paul. He has been arrested. They're trying to ship him from Caesarea in Palestine all the way to Rome, where he will stand trial before Caesar. And the ship um, was advised not to go from one port to the next as they made their way through the North Mediterranean and now they found themselves caught in a horrific storm. And we pick it up at verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. He said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And may God inspire and instruct us through his word today. You may be seated. Thank you so much. We've learned that God is with us in the valleys of life. We discovered a central truth that we may enjoy God on the mountaintops of our lives, but we really grow in our relationship with God in intimate ways when we're in the valleys of life. It's true. Last week, we talked about God with us in the wilderness, and the wilderness is a desolate place, it's a lonely place, it's a hungry place, it can last an extended period of time, but we also discovered that God is with, with, with us there, and that our deepest need, hear this now, our deepest needs can become a gift to us when they drive us to depend on God. So even, even those wilderness times can be meaningful if we use it to depend on God. Now, today I want to talk about God with us in the storm. Now, I'm going to make this statement. I'll get it over with. I'll say it early. I'll only say it once. Here it is. You ready? You're either coming out of a storm or in the middle of a storm or heading into a storm. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying it once. That's it. Life has about it. Storms, Yeah, we've had storms hit our country in recent years, uh, notable storms. We give names to our storms. We've had Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Irma, Harvey, Alberto. Uh, I'm just glad we don't name just everyday events after people's names. For example, you don't uh, make up an excuse for not getting to work by saying, Hangover Howie got me. Hangover Howie. Uh, I mean, it really took me out. It was a category four hurricane hangover. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. I'm really sorry I couldn't be there. Or how about diarrhea Diana? <laughs> Woo, she was bad. She was a bad one. <laughs> For years, they didn't name storms after people. They used geographical locations to name storms until 1954, and some meteorologists decided that it'd be a good idea to name the storms after their girlfriends and their wives. I mean, imagine I'm a meteorologist. I come home some, some evening and I say, uh, you know, sweetheart, Beth, um, there's a big storm brewing in the Atlantic. And if it's as big as we think it is, and if it, if it hits land and we're populated, people are going to get hurt. 
going to be tons and tons of damage. It's going to be horrible. And as we were anticipating this storm, it made me think of you. <laughs> so we're going to call it Hurricane Beth. What are, they, what are they thinking? That don't make any sense, right? In 1979, um, uh, the equal rights uh, movement kicked in. And so we not only named storms after women, uh, since 79, we named them also after men. So there we go. Yeah, equal, equal justice there. Unfortunately, we all know storms. And maybe someone in the room today is in a storm today. You're going through the storm of divorce. Or it's the storm of depression. Or it's a financial storm. Or it's a relational storm. And it's a bad one. And you're feeling it. And it's real. And it hurts. A lot of people, unfortunately, when it comes to God, they often blame God for the storm. Have you ever done this? They question, where is God in all this? Why is he allowing this to happen? Where is God in this storm? So here's the overriding main point. If you don't get anything else today, get the main point. Here it is. I'll put it on the screen for you. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Now, that, there's an amen that goes right there. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life because he's there. Now, the Apostle Paul was on this ship, encounters this massive storm. They have been days, days, they're caught, caught in this nor'easter, right in the North Mediterranean there. And they are desperate. They're throwing all of the extra weight off the ship. This ship, uh, there were about 270 men on this ship, so it's a sizable ship. And they're th offloading everything they can to try to keep the thing afloat, even the even the tackle that they were throwing off the, you know, the kind of the, the blocking and so forth that they would use to raise the sails. Everything was being tossed off. They hadn't seen the sun or the stars for days and days, just tossed in this horrible sea. And they had lost all hope. Imagine that. wonder how many of us have ever used that phrase. I have lost all hope. I'm hopeless. Wow. Maybe you said that about your marriage. Maybe you said that about a financial debt. Maybe you said that about a medical diagnosis. I don't think I can beat this. I don't have any hope. Young couples sometimes get to the place where they say, I don't think we'll be able to conceive. Maybe this isn't God's plan for us. I don't think I can afford to graduate from college. I just can't go on. I've lost my hope. They all gave up home. And yet the storm continued to rage in the midst of this hopelessness. Then verse 21 says, and after they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. How many of you want to just reach out and smack him? <laughs> These guys are suffering. They've lost hope. And Paul stands up. The first thing he says is, you know, if you'd have listened to me before we set sail, we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> it's a temptation, no matter how great you are to say, I told you so. And that's what he does. But it does raise the question, why were they in this storm? Why were they in this storm? They were in the storm because it was their fault. Because they made a decision to go out when the environment was risky. That's what was happening. And maybe you've noticed sometimes in Christian circles that Christian people are very quick to blame the devil for their problems. I, I guess we've all done it from time to time. But, but what if it's not the devil? 
And that sometimes it's our own foolish fault for being in the storm. Because you spent too much money and now you're in a mess. Or your emotions got the best of you and you said something to someone and it fractured the relationship. Or maybe you procrastinated and instead of studying for their final, you decided to party and have pizza with your friends and you missed it. And someone told you not to date him. In fact, your mama told you not to date him. Your daddy told you not to date him. Your best friend told you not to date him. Your pastor told you not to date him. The fortune cookie told you not to date him. But you went ahead and dated him anyway. He's such a nice guy. He has so much potential. Yeah, potential to ruin your life. And so we find ourselves in a storm of our own making, our own foolish fault. Sometimes, sometimes uh, you're in a storm and it's not your fault at all. I mean, it wasn't your responsibility when your parents divorced and broke up your family and changed your world as you knew it. And you've had to face the struggle of that ever since. Yeah, it wasn't your fault when your company made a series, a string of bad decisions and the economy wobbled and then you lost your job. That wasn't your fault. Or when you trusted someone you thought you could trust, they made promises to you that you believed they would keep and yet they betrayed you and you found yourself in a storm. Whatever the case may be, in the middle of the storm, sometimes it's so easy to give up hope. It's so easy to say, I, I don't think I can go on from here. But let me just remind you, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Say amen to that. Never let it happen. So here's what we learned from the Apostle Paul. Three things, it's on your outline and I hope it will help you today. The first thing is this, keep your courage. Write it down, keep your courage. Verse 22, he says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Keep up your courage. Someone needs to hear that today. Someone in this room right now needs to hear this. Keep up your courage, yeah. Keep your faith. This storm is not gonna take you down. No, it won't. He says, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Verse 23, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Now just stop for a moment and think about that. Paul, in the middle of this storm, Paul said an angel of God appeared to me and spoke to me. Could I just uh, tell you that I believe that there is a, there's a spiritual world that's real? There's an unseen world that is not, is not available to us with our five senses, not available to us in that. I believe there are angels in the room right now. Can't see them. Maybe some of you can. Sometimes people see angels. I've never seen one. I've felt their presence, but I've never physically seen one. As far as I know, the Bible says that we entertain angels sometimes unaware. I suspect we could cultivate stories out of the congregation this morning of instances where someone picked you up, gave you a ride, or someone someone protected you, someone stepped in at the right moment for a specific need in your life and suddenly that person was gone. The Bible teaches us that sometimes we entertain angels unaware like that. So God promises to send his angels to provide for us, to protect us, to guide us. And it happens that way. I believe that. Angels are in the room right now. And so God sent an angel in the middle of the storm, just a reminder that God is with us. 
Sometimes it's God's mere presence. His Holy Spirit is close to us and we sense his peace and there's no explanation. I'm in the middle of a storm and yet I have peace that God is with me and he's got it covered. His word lamps our feet. His, his people surround me with support and encouragement. And on and on the list goes of ways that God actually keeps us in the midst of a storm. And so the great command, the great invitation is to take courage, be encouraged, be filled with courage. God is with us. God is with us. Paul says, an angel of the Lord stood beside me in the middle of the storm. Isn't that great? Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Amen. There, every time I say that, I'm expecting the amen. That's where the amen goes. Second Timothy chapter four, look at that on the screen. Everybody else deserted me, Paul said. No one stood by me, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. How good is that? Look at Psalm 16, verse eight. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Isn't that encouraging? There it is. So when you realize that God is with you, it changes your posture, it changes your mood, it changes your faith, it changes your attitude, changes your mindset. It's all about who is with you. Beth and I raised uh, two boys. Aaron is the older by six years, Isaac the younger. And when Isaac uh, first went to middle school as a sixth grader, middle school was sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. When he first went to middle school, early in his tenure there, he was being bullied by a bigger, bigger kid who was an eighth grader. And we got a notice shortly after school began that Isaac was re consistently, regularly tardy to his first period class, a band class. And so we quizzed him about this, what happened? And so he was, he was very un, you know, awkward about it and he felt bad about having to tell us. He said, well, I get to my locker and then I head down toward the band room, but there's a big eighth grader who stands in the hallway there and he's threatening me. He said, if, if I come down his hallway, he's gonna beat me up. And so he said, I get to my locker, then I have to backtrack uh, the long way around. And by the time I get to the band room on the other end of the building, I'm a little late. And so I don't know what to do. Well, it was about this moment that Isaac's mother got involved in the conversation. Now, I don't know why Beth knows so much about how to deal with bullies. I think it's because she may have been one at some point. I don't, there's only, that's the only way I would know she had, knows so much about it. Anyway, so she jumped in and this is what she told Isaac. She said, now listen, tomorrow morning, go to your locker and then you head down that hallway until you meet up with this, this uh, eighth grader and you walk right up to him and just say, look him right in the eye and say, listen to me. I'm here, if, if you wanna go, I'm ready to go. And she said, I don't want you throwing the first punch. But if he throws the first punch, you throw the second, third, fourth, and fifth punch as vigorously as you can. And she said, that'll take care of the bully. Isaac's eyes are really big. Well, the next, the next day, he comes home from school and he comes strutting in. And he's, I mean, this is a strut, how'd it go today? Fine. How about with the bully? As ah, no problem. Really, tell me what happened. Well, I, she, he did what she told him. And the bully just, you know, backed up and let him go. Now, sometimes you have to come home with a bloody nose. But do not live your life as a victim. If you've been victimized, you're genuinely a victim. 
by circumstances of life and you are hurt and wounded by it, listen, you can live the rest of your life as a victim and you'll never meet God's potential. You'll never find his destiny in your life. You cannot go through the, the world as a victim. So don't, don't tolerate it. Don't put up with it. You may be a genuine victim. Your story may be, wow, what a victim. And that's sad and it's horrible. In some cases, it's evil. But you can't let that stop you. Because God's plans for you, God's purpose for you, God's potential in your life is so great, is so grand, so bigger than you can imagine that you've got to turn loose of that and let God direct your steps into wholeness and health and into the fulfillment of your destiny. It's good preaching right there. So, so you can't live as a victim. So there were other times, as I mentioned, Isaac's older brother, Aaron, now by the time Aaron got to high school or so, he was physically kind of a menacing presence. He's just a big guy. And, and he would occasionally find out if people were intimidating his younger brother, and so he would intercede for his brother. I actually witnessed this a couple of times. And so there was a bigger guy intimidating Isaac, who's a little guy, and Aaron noticed this, and so Aaron just walked over and stood behind his brother. And as soon as Isaac realized his big brother was standing behind him, he becomes the mouth and Aaron becomes the muff. So you got the mouth and the muscle working it out. Now, let me make the point. When you recognize, watch it now. When you recognize in the presence of a storm that the Lord is right beside you, that he's with you, that he's backing you up, that he's strengthening you, It'll change how you ride out the storm. It'll change your attitude about it. It's all about who's in the middle of the boat. Jesus, Jesus was actually in a boat on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples, a much smaller boat, and a storm blows up one day, and the waves are threatening, starting to over, overwash the boat, and the disciples in the storm did what we often do. They were freaking out. So they're freaking out, Oh, this is horrible. Oh, we can't bail this water. Oh, we're perishing here. And Jesus, he's in the boat, but he's asleep. He's unfazed by a storm. And for good reason. <laughs> and they finally wake him up. Don't you care? Don't you notice what's happening to us? Why? How can you possibly sleep? We're dying here. We're perishing here. You ever been in this prayer meeting? In the middle of your storm? Jesus, don't you care? Don't you wonder? Don't you, don't you understand what's happening? So they finally wake him up. Jesus looks at me. He asks them a question. He said, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Why are you fussing about a little storm? Don't you know I'm in the boat with you? And Jesus commands the winds and the waves to be quiet. He just basically stood up and said, hey, shut up. And everyone went, went. And it was placid. And of course, the disciples in the boat standing now in th four inches of water in the boat going, Shazam. That's amazing. Yeah, really, boys? Why did they experience peace in the boat? Because Jesus was in the boat. Let me put this statement on the screen. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Come on, get that. Real peace isn't found in a trouble-free life. You'll never have a trouble-free life. 
Following Jesus doesn't mean bad days don't happen. Mm -mm. Look what Jesus said in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Are you okay with that so far? You believe the Bible so far? Yeah, in this world, you, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. How great is that? Yeah, so real peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. He is with me, right beside me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. So what is the admonition? Keep your courage. Keep your courage. God is with you. Here's the second thing that Paul says to these men who have lost their hope in the middle of a storm. He said, God is not finished. God's not finished. Last night, an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong, I serve, stood beside me. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Yeah, in other words, you're not going down in this storm. Mm -mm. You're not going to die now because God has more battles for you to fight. Now, someone in the room, you need to hear this today. You need to hear this because you're, you're struggling. You're wondering if this is it. This is the big one. This is the one that's going to take you out. Hear me now. If you're not dead, you're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done. Are you, are you here? Are you alive? Amen. You're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done. Let God take care of the dead part. You'll know when you're dead. <laughs> it will occur to you. And until then, you're not done. Yeah, you're not done. You've got more people to love. God's got more people for you to serve. God has more times that he's calling you to be a blessing. You're not going down in this. The ship may go down. You may take some losses, but this storm is not going to take you out. So in fact, God will use what you learn in your storm to prepare you to help others through their storm. This is what God does. God never wastes the storm. There's a purpose in the storm. God, God's not surprised in the storm. He is with you in the storm. He's speaking to you in the storm. He's strengthening your life. He's deepening your roots. One day you'll be able to look at someone who's going through a horrible crisis in their marriage. And maybe a friend will say to you, you know, I don't think our marriage can survive this unfaithfulness. And you can look at them and say, I didn't think our marriage could survive unfaithfulness. But by the grace of God... Our marriage survived and so can yours. And someone will say to you, I've got cancer. I've got a horrible diagnosis. I've got a horrible treatment protocol. I've got a real storm in front of me. I don't think I'm going to make it. And you can look at him and say, I was facing the same storm. And by the grace, mercy, and power of God, I made it through that storm. And because I made it, you can make it through. Isn't that great? I'm in a financial crisis. I... I made bad choices. I'm in this mess. Maybe no, no fault of my own. I just find my, I'm completely upside down. I don't think I'll ever recover. And you'll be able to look at him and say, I was in financial crisis once. A storm that I was sure I couldn't get out of. But by the power and the grace of God and the provision of his hand, we made it through that storm. And you can make it through that storm. God never wastes our storm. I don't know about you, but once I've gotten through a storm and I finally made it safe to the shore, I look back on those storms and I think, wow, I'm glad that's over. Glad I got through that. Glad I survived. I know you feel the same way. 
And sometimes I go, you know, and I, I would never want to do that again, go through that kind of storm again. That's a normal feeling. And I think that's, that's normal and natural. But you, you'd say, but I wouldn't trade that storm for anything. Now, listen, if you're in that big storm right now, what I'm saying right now, you can't hear it. And it's okay if you can't hear it. It's okay. You'll be able to hear it sometime. But if you're right in the middle of it, you can't hear what I'm saying right now. But if you've been through the storm and you pop through the other side, I don't know, maybe you're like me. You'd say, I'd never want to do that again. Heck, I wouldn't even want my worst enemies to have to go through that. But I wouldn't trade it for anything because of the depth of my life, the intimacy that I've enjoyed with God, the character that he's built in me, the trust and faith that has developed. And all of that to reassure us that God is not finished. He's not finished with us. Last point, write it down. Paul says to them, have faith. Have faith in God. Verse 25, so keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God. He says, I have faith in God. Everyone say that out loud with me. I have faith in God. Say it again. I have faith in God. One more time. I have faith in God. Feel that. My faith is not what, in what I see. My faith is what God says, right? My faith is not in the ship. My faith is not in my abilities. This storm I'm in right now, I'm out of control. I have got nothing left. I've, I've lost all hope. The only thing I've got left is God. If God doesn't deliver me, I'm done. This is it. I have no control over this. This storm is too big. This storm is too massive. It's too threatening. I mean, there's only one way out of this storm. That's just to be dead, except for God. So I have my faith in God that it will happen, that he will see me through, that he's my deliverance, that he is my provision, that he is my healer. So the bottom line is you can't control what storm blows up. You can't control how severe the storm is going to be. You can't control how long the storm is going to be. You can't control what people are going to say about you in the storm. You can't control what people are going to do when you're in a storm. But you can control what you believe and you can control where you put your faith. And you can put your confident trust in God. Mm -hmm. And let me just say, when God is all you have left, God is all you need. He is all you need. One more verse, Psalm 46, verses one to three. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Isn't that good? He's our refuge. He's our strength and ever-present help. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, God is our refuge and strength. As it turns out, God is our shelter. God is our hiding place. He's our safety. He's our strength. And it's because he is with us by our side. He is Emmanuel. He is our strength. He is our comforter. He's our safety. He's my source. He's my redeemer. He's my righteousness. He's my friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's a rock because he is living bread, the bread of my life. He is the living water that satisfies my soul. He is the gate through which I enter. He is the guide who directs my steps. He is my comforter that ministers to me in time of need. He is my peace that passes all understanding. Peace is not found in the absence of a storm, friend. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. 
And so we never let the presence of a storm cause us to doubt the presence of God. Now look, watch this. Check it out. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Let's bow our heads. Father, we pray in your name, the name of the risen Lord Jesus, that you would do in our lives today, for those of us especially who are hurting, what only you can do. I pray for someone who's in a storm right now who needs to know your presence and your peace. Friends, if you're in a storm right now, just lift your hand. Say, here, yeah, here I am, Lord. You know I'm in a storm. So many, so many. God, I ask that those who are in a storm today would feel your love, sense your presence in more ways than they, they can even imagine. Lord, perhaps you would send an angel. You would comfort them right now. Lord, that your Holy Spirit is indwelling them, that your living word is soothing their soul and reminding their, renewing their minds and ordering their steps. God, that you're already in tomorrow, that you're at work, you're not worried, you see the other side of the storm. And while we wish it were never happening, we know that you are working all of these things to bring good to those of us who love you and are called to your purpose. So Lord, today, this morning, this day, we cast our cares on you because you care for us. We thank you that your grace, your mercy, your presence guards our hearts and our minds, our souls in Christ Jesus. And that you give us a supernatural peace that this world knows nothing of because you dwell within those who know you. So give us your peace today, oh God. Peace in the midst of the storm. And perhaps you're here today and you realize your own sin has caught you up. You're in the storm because of what you did. I've got good news for you. Here's, hear the good news. God loves you, loves you more than you can imagine. So much so that God became one of us. This is Emmanuel. It's God in the flesh. It's God living in the person of Jesus Christ. He's a God man. That's why Jesus could become the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And maybe you've never taken this step to receive his forgiveness, to restore your relationship with God. Let me offer these words of prayer. You pray them in your mind and your heart. God will hear them. Heavenly Father, I trust you to save me, to forgive me of all my sins make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can live for you and follow you every day of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Would you stand with us?